everybody. Good day and welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm your host, Jeremy Hanks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. And uh, this week we have John Fryer. He is the uh, musical mastermind of oh so many bands. Uh, signatures all over the music that I have listened to and probably a lot of you have listened to as well. Uh, He's been the mastermind on Mute and Sire uh, Records on the projects, also of like This Mortal Coil. He's worked with Modern English, Cocteau Twins, Depeche Mode, Peter Murphy, Allison Moyer, Clan of Zymox, Nine Inch Nails, Love and Rock, and Swans, and Wire, just to name a few. Uh, just pull up his resume online and you'll see there's more entries there than you've ever seen attached to anybody else's name. That's what this guy has been doing. Uh, he has no signs of slowing down. His current project is called Black Needle Noise. That's basically whoever the mad genius John Fryer happens to be working with that week. Uh, the newest album is called Lost in Reflections. And uh, we're going to kick this one off with a song by she, called She Talks to Angels with uh, Angela Picard. So everybody sit back, enjoy, and let's all do this sticky jazz. She never mentions the word addiction In certain Tells you she's an orphan After you meet her family She says she tells and welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks and on this week I have John Fryer. He's uh, the man who's been behind so many amazing albums and music that I'm sure you've heard it and we're going to be covering a lot of that today. Good day, John. How are you? 
Fine, thank you. And yourself? Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. You too. Um, it's been, uh, it was kind of a, an issue tying this down, but uh, I'm so glad to have you on because I'm going to be honest, uh, I've spent insane amounts of my life listening to the music that you've produced and put together. And so, uh, actually still on one of my, several of my favorite records as well. So this is, this is quite the honor to, to be talking to a guy with the resume that you have. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And I hope you don't, and I hope you still listen to the music after you've talked to me. Oh, well, I, I, well, I've been listening to a lot of it even this week. (laughs) So, um, uh, let me start off with, let's see, your, your biggest, uh, pieces or biggest productions that you've done, I guess. Um, ah, I mean, just going through, you've got the Alison Moyer, the Depeche Mode, the, uh, you know, Modern English Ricochet Days, which is one that I've listened to for, I, I know that album, Note for Note. Peter Murphy, Should the word, World Fail to Fall Apart. All of your work with the guys in Wire. I mean, it just the list goes on and on. And then most recently, your uh, Black Needle Noise project, which is also just as phenomenal. So, um, I, 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 it's just the the list goes on and on. And you've, I mean, you and Brian Eno and Flood and Andy Gill, right? You're all in that in that club of amazing producers, composers, and all of that. Your, your sound and your skill bleeds through and stuff. So, um, even most recently, um, I was listening to Azam Ali's new record and, right. uh, I, I just pinged Ray back, you know, the, our mutual friend there, I pinged him back and I said, man, okay. that's, that's got John Fryer written all over it. And he said, that's because he's her best friend. I'm like, oh right, well then that, that explains it. So um, that was a that's a fabulous record as well. I, I love her work too. Um, but right, well, uh, we we're, we're starting to work together on a on a new project. Oh, okay. If do you want to talk about that, or is that still uh, top secret at the moment? It's so top secret that I can't even mention it. <laughs> yeah, not even here. Right? So, um, so uh, I, I'm going to say I I discovered your name when I got my hands on the He Said record, and because okay. um, I'm a wire junkie, to me, you know, Graham Lewis is a god, right? I mean, he's just. For bassists, he's up there with Peter Hook, Paul Raven, J.J. Brunell from the Stranglers and Alexander Hacke from Neubauten, right? I mean, those are like the five gods of, of like new wave art rock bass, right? And so when I right. got when I got the He Said record, and I saw your name on it, I was like, okay, this is like amazing work. And I had been just diving in and listening to that. Just you know, I'm, it was just a great album. Actually, it's some of the best work I've ever heard from Graham Lewis, Wire included. And um, then sometime later, I was listening to Filigree and Shadow and all the other This Mortal Coil. I was like, wait a minute, that's that John Fryer guy there too. Your name was on the credits, and that's kind of where it all snowballed. That I started looking for um, just you know 
just kind of listening to the signature and verifying that it was in fact you behind it which in 90 percent of the cases it was so um yeah you're you, you've got quite a thumbprint out there so uh what what is the uh, okay so we'll we'll not talk about the new azama lee project that's so top secret that you can't even mention it <laughs> but um like uh I, oh geez, where do I even start? Like the whole, um, like the, for instance, the Move piece, right? Head down. I was listening yeah, to yeah. that, and I was like, "That sounds like wire or a wire knockoff." Why haven't I heard this before, right? Because I'd been listening, to, you know, that has such a wire sound to it. And then I look, oh right, because it's got John Fryer on it. Um, you know, I mean, that's just you're that good. And you're, you. you're, it's, it's that amazing. So when I had the uh, opportunity to go down to South by Southwest to see you, I really wished I had had the opportunity to afford it because when you performed down there, um, you know, uh, I, I was like, oh, this would be great with the whole black needle noise that's going on. But I, it just, it was on such short notice that, um, I found out that I could have gotten in to see you that, but it, I just couldn't pull that off. But, Hey man, in the future, let's do it, right? I hope to uh, get in there and uh, you know see you perform one of these days. But um, going back through your history, can I ask? I, I guess just I have too many questions. But um, who are the most prolific people that you've worked with that you've really liked doing, um, just working with and producing? I mean, the, the most prolific. I see you're, well, you're the repeat offender with Wire, obviously, but who else have you got in there that really just shines for you? It, probably the most prolific is the, the Wire boys. I mean, they just, you know, if they weren't doing Wire, they were doing their solo projects or doing projects together, then spreading off. And, you know, they probably nonstop, even with Wire, you know, they would write a new record and then they would kind of write a record while they're touring that record and playing new songs i mean they were just non-stop and i guess they still are I like that uh, yeah actually yeah the um i loved how they were able to kind of fluctuate wire uh, wire like kept reinventing themselves and yeah. how was it for you to watch that happening because they would do like you know um the one that was really crazy art punk and then they would do you know it's beginning to and back again or uh you know the kidney bingo stuff which was nothing like you know pink flag or anything and they would just jump back and forth um even from ideal copy to the the stuff later i was surprised to hear them go as hard as they did after you know the, the the more esoteric stuff that you guys had come up with earlier. So, um, how, tell me what it was like watching those guys do that. I mean, I've worked with them mostly uh, individually. Um, if I remember rightly, I've only worked on one actual Wire record. You know, I've worked with Graham Lewis solo, Bruce Gilbert solo, uh, Colin Newman solo, um, Roy, you know, Robert Go to Bed with Fad Gadget. Um, so I'd work with them all individually and then Bruce and Graham a lot. Um, and then later on, I got to mix the wire record, but, um, yeah, so mainly I worked with them as, as solo artists or, you know, on their side projects. 
Okay. Um, and the, I mean, obviously, they're all great guys, right? They love you because you're their repeat offender. They keep bringing you back. Um, um, yeah, we haven't we haven't worked together for a while, but yeah. So uh, you are in, you're in Los Angeles, right? Is that is that correct that you're still down there? Yes. And where are you based? I'm in Salt Lake City, actually. Okay. So, um, yeah, I I was actually going to be going down to L.A. last year uh, in June, and uh, you know the the world came to an end. I I couldn't actually go anywhere. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 race, the world is in a strange place. Well, I, I told Ray, I said, look, man, you know, I, I would love to meet John for coffee. And he said, yeah, I, I could probably arrange that when you head on down there. So, but I, I still would love to to meet you um, when and if I ever get down to that part of the world. Um, and so can you tell me a little bit about the story of 4AD? Just because it's been such a, I mean, it, it, was it a label? Was it an experiment? Was it, you know... Uh, to talk about that because I mean you're that was also part of your baby as well yeah no no 4AD was a label um, it started off with Peter Kent and Ivo um, they used to work in Beggar's Banquet record store together uh-huh. and then they uh, then Martin Mills gave them you know a label um, and then Peter Kent and Ivo went in different directions uh, then Ivo carried on with the 4AD label. Um, it was through Daniel Miller, who used the studio Blackwing, that we got introduced and we got on. And then he, um, yeah, then he put a lot of bands my way to work with. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, I like the, the, the This Mortal Coil, you've got all the Cocteau twins. Um with Depeche Mode, even I mean, you know, you've, there are some great records in there that you've worked on, yeah. just some fabulous stuff. But the, uh, the the This Mortal Coil was probably um, the most collaborative. That was kind of the big mix of everybody on 4AD. You know, you've got um, Elizabeth Frazier from the Cocteau Twins singing "16 Days" with modern English. You know, I mean, it was just the whole thing was so crazy and and wonderful you know i yeah it was, it was a mixture of uh, artists from 4d and artists not on 4d it's just a, a real mixture of different talents put together on the on the uh, three albums yeah and they were i mean i i i put those you know those are probably some of the best i i went through just the mood and the the vibe and the feeling that i had just you know for that time of my life when those records had come out, I would spend just hours and hours listening to them just endlessly, you know. And uh, so, you know, thank you for contributing to my misspent youth. So much of that. Uh, I, I have to say, though, the, the, the hardest one to listen to at first, but then kind of became a drug of choice for a long time, was uh, Children of God by Swans. Um and I look at that as kind of how Swans made it a little bit of a departure from, you know, where they had been going. But then that also pushed them into the world where they are now. That was a very pivotal record. Um, how did you get brought in on that one to work with Swans? I think that's all to do with... And 
if I remember rightly, that was more to do with, you know, the stuff I'd done with Mute to work with them and to work with Jarbo uh, on her solo project, Skin. Okay. So... It's just, you know, it's all, a, it's all a, you know, association with the bands and music. It was all kind of word of mouth back then. Actually, it still is today. It's all word of mouth of records I've worked on. You know, people like them. They like the sound of them, and then they look up where they're made or who they're made by, and then they contact me. And so, uh, how how good is your list right now? What have you got going right now? Or is that still up in the air as well because of what's gone down in the you know the whole end of the world thing? I mean, you've got, um, I, I'm sure, like even uh, even when Andy Gill, I, I I'm sure you've met Andy, right? I'm sure you know Andy, um, or you did. Um, I think I've met him in the past somewhere. Yeah. Because when Andy was, uh, you know, Andy had this, like, long list of everybody trying to get into his music and, you know, get into his studio to have him produce. And um, and then he died pretty suddenly. But I, I would imagine that you've got people in line as well. Just, you know, uh, I mean, have you ever had somebody show up on your door, say, hi, I want you to cover, you know, I want you to make my record. And you'd never heard of these guys or, or I mean, just brand new out of thin air or I mean, how did some of that go for you? I'm not really sharp on the doorstep, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've had emails and contact from people and, um, so it really depends on, you know, what their music's like that if we uh, work together or not. Okay. So, uh, who's the most Fun. What was the? I mean, who was the the most enjoyable and creative that you guys that you've been able to work with? I mean, because well, everybody wants me to ask you about Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode. Those are the two that everyone's been like, "Oh, but could you talk about?" I said, well, you know, uh, and I, yeah, every, everybody knows who those guys are. Everybody knows the stories and all of that, right? But um, I'm sure you've got some. Uh... But there's so much more that I've worked on than those two bands, so, you know. Yeah, and that's the point. I'm like, can you look at this guy's list, man? But, uh, so yeah, those are the two well, big, you know, I mean, everybody knows and loves Depeche Mode, and oh my God, he worked with Depeche Mode. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, that was when he was, on, you know, doing the stuff with Mute, but he's got so much else going on, you know. Well, that is the problem when people look at my discography. They dismiss most of it because they don't know who the bands are. So they just pick out the few bands that they know, and it's always like, oh, so you work with these bands, so you only do this kind of music, because they just dismiss everything else, you know, um, because they don't know who the band are or what kind of music it is. You know, I've worked on such a broad spectrum of music, kind of everything from Cocteau Twins to Cradle of Filth, you know, and everything in between. Yeah, and Cradle of Filth are 100%. They're, they're 180 degrees different from the Cocteau Twins, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, they're, uh, I can't say that I don't like, I don't know, for, for me, that style of music, it's very difficult to, to, you know, I'm very picky in that style of music, you know. Um, well, let's put it this they have, it's an acquired taste to, so I like that, but it was interesting for me to work with them because you know it's uh, it. I like to work in different genres of music to try and understand what goes on and how it's put together. Sure. Um, well, for like for me, like I don't know if you know who Michael Alago is. He's the guy who signed Metallica, and right. everybody's really big on him for that. And and 
you know, I mean, Metallica were legendary and all that, but my issue, which is such a strange thing, is um, I don't like Metallica, although I love the genre and, you know, Testament and Motorhead and all that, even, you know, Napalm Death and, and that, but, I, you know, Metallica just isn't the one that I can, you know, dive into. And people can't believe that, but that's just, you know, I can't really say that that's the, you know, that's just not my thing, you know, and, but I can appreciate them, but, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, I probably would have picked up Cradle of Filth over Metallica anyway, so, um, but the, but the thing is, music and like art is all down to personal taste. Absolutely. Yes, it is. So it, just be, you know, just because there's a band out there, you don't have to like them, you know? Yeah. Or you don't have to like all the, all the stuff by them. Um, yeah, that's true. You know, you could like just one song by them and, you know, or you might like two songs. I mean, or might not like anything by them. It's all, it's all, you know, personal taste and what you like. Um, but as long as you don't try and push that onto others and tell them they shouldn't like them just mm-hmm. because you don't like them. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah. And and then uh, when you decided to, I mean, sure, Cradle of Filth was probably, I'm sure it was a very interesting experience because it was, again, totally different than the Cocteau Twins or whatever. Um, yeah. And, uh, but like, even the Black Needle Noise stuff, okay, once I... Yeah. I loved it. I just, some of that is the most amazing. Just, it's just so trippy. It's so just out there, you know. Um, it's just so not poppy. And I can listen to that for hours. <laughs> I have to say, though, my favorite one uh, is Lost in Reflections by of Black Needle Noise Work. Um, and I don't, okay. I, I don't know if it's your, your, the, the vocalists or the people you're working with on there. I don't know. It just, but that one really just climbed to the top. Um, I mean, I loved, you know, um, I, I've loved just, you know, I, I haven't been able to go through the whole catalog, all of it, because there was just so much of it, but I, everything that I've put on, I've really, really liked, but this one, especially, um, and I mean, how, how did you get the, I guess, how did you get everyone there working with you on that one? Cause I mean, that you've got quite a list of great voices on there. Great people that you were working with. Um, did, uh, cause th- this wasn't a project of somebody saying, Hey, I want you to produce the record. This was you and your world and your project. Uh, I'm curious how that all, I mean, how did you get such a great group of people to work with on this? Well, it's all, um, it's all, you know, I'm just writing music with Black Needle Noise and then asking people to sing on the songs. Um, you know, there's no pressure for them. There's no time scale. I mean, I think Bill Lee took over a year before he got around to singing his song. Um, so it's just something that I'm doing that I want to do. It's just music I'm wanting to make. And then I ask singers. Uh, I mean, they're all amazing singers in their own right and um, ask them if they'd like to join me in the project, and, and then I'll send them some music for them to sing on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's just art. 
it's art. And so, I mean, just to have people interested in working with you, it's, I mean, it's so good. Um, I mean, the, 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 with, okay, Chris Connolly and the ministry and all that, that was great, you know, and that was one of those like, Ooh, that's an interesting kick right there. But, um, it all just, it's, I, I guess this is just your own playground to do it that way. Is, yeah. Is, because there's so much there and it's so just enjoyable and um you know uh i guess the next question is because it's such a collaboration with other people how what do you do for your live set like when you were playing in south by southwest how did you pick which songs you were going to do and who are you performing them with and well the like i mean basically it started off with uh, Phil Owen asking uh, Betty, because it, cause she lives down in Austin too, if she would come and do the, you know, just the song she sang on. Mm-hmm. And then she asked us, you know, would we come down and do the, you know, showcase the song. And then it was, then it was, well, if we're coming all that way, why don't we turn it into, you know, five or six songs and make a set out of it. Okay. Oh, so then I'd show, I mean, there's, if you go on uh, our website at blackneedlenoise.com, there's a little documentary covering the whole South by Southwest, you know, extravaganza. Um, so yeah, so uh, Betty got asked and she asked us and then we, um, so then she had her friend Sean to play drums. So it's me on guitar, uh, Angela, my wife, singing with Betty and Sean on drums. Wow, that must, then, that, that must have been a hell of a set. <laughs> that must have been one amazing set. Jeez. So. Yeah, so you can go online and you can you can watch it. You know, our friend Catherine Sweetman, she filmed it all and made a little documentary for it. Um, we ended up doing two shows. Uh, we went down there just to do one, but then we got invited to do another one the second day. So we did two shows there. Um, yeah, it was, it was good fun. And then after that, we did a world tour of hollywood to promote uh, to promote the album lost in reflection so that we did a uh, bar sinister cloak and dagger and the echo mm-hmm. and you had i mean what was the ter- what was the response i mean I, I probably would have just been there with my jaw on the floor to be honest it would have been um just to you know I, i'm just totally serious i would have been that just over the top shocked i mean just just uh, enamored to see that kind of a performance um you know uh I, what was their response like from the fans or from the people there i mean i'm sure a lot of people I, i'm sure there are people who had never heard of you before that walked out of there just you know with their heads blown off but uh how was it it was uh, we had a great response from you know from the Southwest West shows and to the Hollywood shows. Everyone was very complimentary. Um, you know we had some more shows booked. We were supposed to be going down to Chile to play some shows, but you know because of COVID and everything, we've had to put everything on the back burner till things open up again. So do you have any? St- uh, I guess no real dates planned because nobody really does. Um, I mean, well, I, I we see. Did say I, we uh, we. We did have, but everything's been, uh, you know, put on hold till, till we know what's going on. Yeah, I see shows and tours that I was going to be going to, and then they would, uh, okay, it's been postponed, it's been postponed, rescheduled, rescheduled, and you know the dates keep changing, and I, I really don't know when that's going to kick up again. I, I hope that, I hope that these artists can survive, 
um, and and be able to you know afford living during all this so they can get back out on the road when uh, when they're finally able to. Um, and, yeah, again, but it's not just it's not just the artists; it's the clubs too. You know, a lot of clubs are closing down. The you know the people who work in the clubs. I mean, it's, it's a whole knock-on effect. It's not just um, let's say it's not just the bands that can't tour. It's everyone else. You know, there's the roadies, there's the managers, there's the you know the tour bus drivers, there's the people who work in the bars. I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot of people being put out put out of work from this. Oh yeah, no, I I get it. There's uh there's two venues here in Salt Lake that actually you probably would have played in one of them based on you know the, your genre and, and the type the 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 sound guru that you are, how particular you are with the sound that you're that you're producing. Uh, this is the kind of club that these guys go to. You know, the, the most people like you would go to. Um, Right. You know, you, you, you have a lot of bands that don't really care how they're not that particular about the sound they they make. They just want to get out there and sound loud and whatever. But these two clubs, uh, one was a church, and okay. uh, the other was a movie theater. And right. the the guy bought them and engineered everything in there so the sound would be sufficient for guys like you. And I just found out that I, I thought, okay, he had closed doors, but you know, he would wait till everything opened. But he had to file bankruptcy, and that they're they're both gone now. I just found that out on Friday. Which is right. a crying shame, you know, because, I mean, there are some clubs, and you get this, right? I'm sure you have certain venues that you play in just because the sound is so good there. And um, Yeah, but I heard I heard through friends that half of the places in, Aon, in L.A. are not going to open again either. So we've really got to wait and see. Yeah, then they're bought up with pennies on the dollar kind of thing. And it's just, it's a shame because... You know that that's one thing that I realize that we miss so much is is live. Um, you know, the last thing I did before we all went into lockdown, I went and photographed a show of uh, a, a young girl from Los Angeles actually playing her first tour outside of L.A. You know, and uh, that was it. That night after that, I went into lockdown, and um, it was great. But I also knew this is the last time I'm going to be doing this for a very long time, and um, I know some people who've played shows in venues that were socially distanced and all of that, and I, you know, if they can pull it off, that's terrific. But um, I don't know how anybody can survive these days. But it's, but then on the other hand, a lot of people are, and, and you're probably like this too, where you're so just you're at home and doing nothing that uh, you probably have just started making a lot of music because you have the time to do it. Um, and maybe that's what that secret album is that you and Azama Lee are working on. I don't know. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll have to imagine when that goes down. But um, have you ever performed with her? Or you ever, like, uh, yeah, have, have you ever d taken the stage with her? Not yet, but we will do once the, uh, once the album's made. Um, no, I've been working closely with, Cock International the label for the last year or so um, so we've made quite a few records just finished the new Stabbing Westwood album mm -hmm. um, we've got a new album uh, that I co-wrote with Shazam coming out soon and some co-writing co with Azam on that label and there's going to be a Johnny Tupelo album to finish mixing so there's still you know still a lot going on 
Wow, you've, you've, you've really perked my... I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to hear all this because you mentioned some great names. But, uh, uh, well, Azem's work is, you know, she's like... She's one of those voices that um, once I first heard her, I fell in love. You know, she was up there with Liz Frazier, you know, yeah. when, when I first heard her. I think she's just amazing. And I've seen her, you know, I, I watch her posts, on, her posts on Facebook and, you know, all that. She's just an amazing woman with a big heart, um, very, yeah. very deep woman. And so, um, but yeah, when, when, when your publicist said, oh yeah, no, her and John are best friends. I'm like, that is so cool. I would love to hear or to see that as a live performance. Um, well, I guess in a few months you'll be able to hear no, I'll look hear forward something. to hear it, yes, but uh, if you guys yeah. take the stage, I'll go wherever to see it. Seriously, if you do a live, even if it's just a handful of gigs, man, I would love to. I'll I'll go to L.A., I'll fly to New York, whatever, to see something like that. That would be, I mean, that yeah, would I'm be. I'm sure you'll be able to uh, come to all of them once we uh, once we get the two booked. Yeah, well, it'd be, it'd be meso- meh, meso- metaphysical, yeah. metaphysical yeah. to do that. Um and the other, the other thing I'm up to with a friend of mine, Greg Young, is going to make we're going to make a 4AD documentary. So we're going to interview a lot of fans and bands and see what influence you know how they how the music changed their lives and what influence it's had on them over over this time. Well, if you uh, want to, uh, I would I'll volunteer to be one of those guys talking about that. <laughs> I would. Well, <laughs> that's if, what we're going to need. Well, if, if we're going to need it's like people like yourself, how you know how the music has influenced, how it changed your life, and you know. Well, so if I were to show you my like my my collection, of, like uh, I went and saw a modern English gig, and I told Robbie, "Look, man, I'm your biggest fan. This is you know twenty. This is God, forever ago, right?" And and, and Robbie, right. and you know Robbie, right? You know Goofy, very social, very funny, and he said. Oh, you're another one. I said, no, really, I am. And uh, when I pulled out my stack of vinyl that I had, probably about 35, 40 pieces of vinyl in there, and he said, I haven't seen these in, since uh-huh. we printed them. You know, yeah. and he was like going, hey, get over here, man. You got to look at this. This is a, this kid's got everything, you know. So they, they signed all of it. Very, you know, happy to do it. They were great. Um you know, but uh, I, if I could meet Liz and then you to get the 16 Days Gathering Dust single autographed, then I think that would be one of my cherished pieces of all. That would be, you know, um, I mean, that's, well, I, wow. <laughs> so. When we come and play in Salt Lake, I'm sure we can uh, arrange a signing of things. Uh, if I took out everything that I have of my collection to have you sign, you'd be at it for hours. Um, just if, <laughs> seriously, I have a pile of it, you know, like, uh, exactly like, uh, to say something that changed my life. Um, I know that Ricochet Days by Modern English was a commercial crash, right? It didn't do very well, but that album, well, because I guess, um, everybody was expecting another After the Snow, right? Which After the Snow was... Uh, half Ricochet Days, half, you know, Gathering Dust and Mesh and Lace, right? Which, I mean, Mesh and Lace was right. a masterpiece of a record as well, but um, 
at that time in my life when I caught Ricochet Days, it was like um, every song on there was a solid eight. You know, and how many records? Right. How many records have that where every song is that high of a quality? And listen to listen to Black Needle Noise in your head. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> That's I. I can't say that there's a particular song that I love more than any other. I. I just I turn on Black Needle Noise and just love it. You know, and my it's yeah. No, I. Everybody needs to know about Black Needle Noise. Uh, That's just the. You know, because uh, that's you and your your writing and your you know recording and producing. This isn't just something that you're mixing your recording for somebody else. I mean, yes, everybody knows Depeche Mode's work. Everybody knows Allison Moyet's solo work. Which again, those records are amazing. I mean, I, again, go through your list. Everybody should be dying to listen to your your own albums that you've recorded based on what you've produced. You know. Um, yeah, I agree. So, but actually, yeah, let's let's take a moment here. I'll I'll put this in. Pick a song from Black Needle Noise you want me to play right now. Tell us what that is, and I'll do it. Um, when is this coming out? Uh, I'll put this up in about. Uh, I can put this one up tomorrow if you want. Okay, I mean Nocturnal is the one that's out at the moment. That's the latest single, but we will have a new one coming out. Um, Hopefully by the end of January, a new song, Machines, with Atticelina. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I, if you want me to wait, I can do that. I can I can put that out there. But I can, uh, yeah, I I could uh, I could throw in Nocturnal there if you want. That would be fantastic. So. Um, yeah, that's that's the single that's out. Of, that's the last one that came out on December the fifth, and then I uh, say we have a new one coming out. Um, then I'm going to release the vinyl masters uh, digitally. Uh, then the third album will be put together. Uh, the fourth album is being worked on now. You know, blank needle noise is a never-ending, never-ending thing. Okay. Well, then I will. Then, hey, everybody, let's turn on. Uh, here it is. We're going to hear Nocturnal from Black Needle Noise. This is the one that John wants us all to hear. So we're going off with that one. Excellent. But any others you want to play, then go ahead and make my day. Okay, so I'm going to splice that one in there. Um, So uh, I'm going to say, okay. All right, everybody, we're back. That was Nocturnal by request of John Fryer. The uh, Black Needle Noise with uh, Helena Mamich. Is that how you pronounce it? Mamich? Yes. Okay, and uh, what's her affiliation? What else do you know her to to be with? Um, what other bands is she in, or what other projects has she been on? Do you, do well, she's more of an opera singer. That's that's her that's her thing, you know. Um, I just got to know. I I did the music, and I was talking to a friend, and um, I was looking for an opera singer, and she said, "Oh, my friend from Croatia is an opera singer. I'll put you in touch." So. That's how we got to work together. And there you go. Um, wow. <laughs> See, that's but that's how most of your life goes anyway, though, right? It's just uh, um, somebody says, hey, I know somebody who needs this, or you find somebody who, uh, I mean, there's, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty out there, but, uh, I mean, just 
is that how you get into it? Is people just pass by word of mouth or know everybody who looks who's looking for somebody or yeah, some of it some of it's people I know and then other people um like Auntie Clay, I was working with the Charbot and she said, Oh, you should listen to my friend Auntie Clay, so that's how I got to know him. Um um yeah, then Simon Helm, he said, oh, you should listen to Kendra Frost of Kite Base. And so some people have been recommended. Some people I've known, you know, Jabba have known. And that was a Warning Sign, right? That, that one was Warning Sign? Yeah. Okay, Kendra yes. Frost, yeah. Beautiful number. Oh, my God. That one is, uh, I, I put a, uh, um, again, I, th- I think I got these long before they were released. I think that, that your publicist gave me these, just said, hey, I know you like them. These ones are coming out. Um, but that with Kendra Frost, that warning sign was just, well, I mean, she's got the voice to die for anyway. You know, uh, I think everybody needs to, so I'm going to be playing us out with that one. If you're okay with that, that'll be the one I play at the end of this part of this program. But, um, sure. uh, so antique clay, which one was that? Was that the queen of dust? Yeah. Queen of dust. Yeah. Okay. Again, right. I, th- this okay. is just, just some old notes that I had going through the, the pile there. So. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, talk about uh, talk about. Uh, well, again, a lot of people want to go into Jarbo. Um, uh, bring that into the picture and how that one, because you know, she's quite a legend unto herself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I worked because she was working with the Swans, and then they say she was doing a solo project, Skins. Um, Michael Shira was working with her. They came to the studio, so. You know, I met them back in the 80s, mm-hmm. and then when I was starting Black Needle Noise, I just contacted her and said, hey, would you, do you fancy singing a, a song or two for me and send us some music? And uh, she was like, yeah, sure. Wow. And I say, then, and then she was like, well, have you listened, you know, have you heard of my friend here? I really like his voice. So she passed on his name and, you know, and then I wanted a kind of Americana, you know, uh, more uh, darker noir americana sound so uh and it fitted perfectly onto those tracks uh, so he sang two two songs mm-hmm. so yeah. like because i i love jarbo and i, and I love jira right of swans i mean they're they're both just yeah. um but here's like okay ricochet days was me in high school being the you know the trying to not be as depressed as what this mortal coil was but um loving <laughs> but loving the modern english side of things you know and always you know yeah. they're still they're still in my top 10 right they're they're terrific um but my most insane memories were and i'm going to tell this when i when i talk to michael jira in a couple of months um the children of god record right this is how powerful that was for me was we were driving in southern utah in the desert which i i know you know what that looks like right you've been probably through there las vegas area you know driving like where it's just dry desert of nothing in a 1979 cutlass calais with bad ac two doors long boat of a car right in 1990 and um just no, no, no. Sorry, ninety-two. Sorry, it was ninety-two. And the heat, the ridiculous heat, 
as we were driving on I-70 in southern Utah with the sun behind us and just this dry cooking and blasting that album in the car because the speakers actually were that great. It was one of those old, I don't know, man, my dad bought it for nothing. It had belonged to some guy who put a, a sound system in there that was, that was worth more than the car. And we were just yeah. driving this thing and just pounding it. It was such a monumental album. And the memories I have around that were just, you know, it's, it was such a great record. And it was so different, but it fit that moment so much for the depression and crap and, and all. Because we were teenagers, man. You, that's what you go through in life anyway. But I remember that moment and that's where that album stands out so much and that's my love of swans right there was i mean i liked them before that but that moment there that's where children of god really just came to shine in my in my history of music um along with you know i mean everything else that you i mean like i could just go through and tell you oh yeah that album this is what that one means to me oh yeah that album this is what that one means to me you know um it's just such a wonderful collection that you've been in um like and so so many of these other bands that I haven't heard, you know. But I loved uh, Dome, you know. Again, yeah. Wire, Wire spinoff, Sex Gang, Children were great. Um, it's good to know that Stabbing Westward that you're still kicking around with those guys because that was you know they're they're great as well. Um, and uh, let's see, anybody? Yeah, who who else of the the history on this fabulous resume is trying to fire something up? with you right now uh, i mean is there anybody you can talk about uh Ali. oh yeah yeah no we got that yeah oh yeah <laughs> believe me i'm i'm jonesing for that i'm i'm really excited there um you know she's the only one who uh i, I believe historically uh her um and i'm on sheaf right the, that's like the only song ever recorded in the mythical sci-fi language of Fremen, um, which I thought was really cool. Um, I'm also, I mean, I just, she's just an amazing person anyway, but her voice with your work is just gorgeous. Um, but, uh, yeah, who who else of the list? I, I mean, do, do you got that's knocking on your door saying, hey, let's do some work together? Or is that is that all still gonna... secret? I mean, the stabbing westward is going to be cool. I have no doubt about that. Um. Yeah, yeah, we've we are, you know made a new album, but it's kind of reminiscent of the old albums. So that will be coming out in a few months. Uh, so we'd say we just finished that in December, just before Christmas. Okay. Um. And uh, yeah, look out for Copy International. It's a uh, we're growing the label, so okay. more more release more releases coming on coming on there for the next few months okay um well shoot man uh any <laughs> just, I, I have too many questions i i know i'm probably asking the ones that aren't related that, that you can't say yet but um um i guess uh wire because those guys are never going to give up i know bruce retired but yeah uh, um well, I, I remember, so the, the first time I met them, uh, I, I met Bruce earlier that afternoon at the club. It was in Boston. And okay. I was, uh, I, it was at the Middle East. They were playing a show. And um, 
that night, you know, while the opening bands were there, I said to him, uh, this was on the, uh, the Send album tour. And I said to him, hey, listen, uh, you know, what would, uh, how long are you guys going to play? And Bruce said, 55 minutes. And I, I thought, are you kidding me? Out of, out of the entire catalog you guys have, this mountainous, you know, and he said, uh, you're not going to be able to handle 56. And, um, and that Sounds was, like Bruce. <laughs> well, yeah, cause they came out and they did it and they, they, well, if you know the send album, right, where they, they opened with 99.9 and the, the intro before, um, anything else started, even before Colin started singing went about probably six minutes of just the building pounding, drumming and throbbing. And then Bruce came out and did his thing. And then, you know, Graham came out and then finally Colin came out and started singing. And it was just like pounding. I was like, Oh boy. Yeah. You know, I'm like, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. We'll survive. We'll do, we can do it. We can do it. You know? And then at about 55 minutes and 40 seconds, final drum beat hit and we were done. I was like, Ouch, that hurt. You know, (laughs) it was that intense. So they did not fail us. That was really cool. But, um, no, it was funny just because I was in the I was in the bathroom taking care of business, and I looked over and there's Graham standing next to me, and I was like, "Graham fucking Lewis," and he goes, "Yes, uh, not quite been called that before, but yes." <laughs> I slipped. I said, "I'm gonna wash my hands because I want to shake yours." He said, "Right, okay, we can do that." And then, um, and I talked to him about the he said work, you know, and I I wished right. I I wished I brought that with to have him autographed. I brought my wire stuff with. But I didn't bring any of the div or the you know any of that. But um, probably should have done that. But yeah, um, uh, I guess uh, I, you probably would work with them again. I don't know what they're doing. I'm sure they're doing stuff, but they're never going to give up. Uh, I think they will all be in their 90s and still making great records. Um, I believe they will. So, what's your favorite he said song then? Um. Tongue ties. Yeah. Tongue ties. Yeah. Um, Off of uh, Take Care. That is just, um, I just, wow, great song. Uh, But again, it was like um, Pump as well. Um, Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's a hard, you don't ask me those questions, man. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) You know, hey, you're asking me those questions. So. Oh, sure, yeah. I'm like, I, I, you're asking me for a favorite. It's like, you know, which child do I love the most, man? Um, I guess that's me asking you the same thing, you know. Um, but it's like, but I always say, it's like, why should I limit myself to have a favorite? Why can't I like them all? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no, but like some stand out above others. Obviously, like, um, like on Hoodoo by Alf, right? Um, it Won't Be Long is probably my favorite there. Although the the rest of the album is outstanding, and it was a very, very different record than anything she had done up until then. And it was, oh, I loved Hoodoo. But It Won't Be Long was probably my fave, because it was the most different. I don't know, but it, yeah, that was just a, what a great record, you know. Um, but if you want to ask me what my favorite Alison Moyet record is, I would have to say yes. You know, like, well, all of them, you know. Uh, yeah. But, um, 
I guess the story to it's beginning to and back again. Uh, there's a lot of different versions of the story, but uh, what would you what, what could you tell us about that record? Uh, the most creative stunt I think Wire ever did, aside from hiring a cover band, was to do "It's Beginning to and Back Again" as a live type uh, thing. Can you talk about that one that you were in, or, or how that one went down? Because there's a lot of different stories around that one. Um, I don't really know what you're talking about. Okay, so uh, the story goes that Wire released. It's beginning to and back again, but they did it as kind of a live sh- album as one take, uh, and how they wanted to release those songs instead of uh, doing it as a regular studio album. Um, I'm not sure how accurate the story is. I've just heard a lot around that album and how it was done differently than most things that Wired ever done. So, um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they do different things all the time, so. Okay. Different approaches. I mean, that was uh, like when I was working with uh, Graham and Bruce doing all those little side projects. I mean, nothing was approached kind of straightforward. Everything was approached differently at different angles. And what if we do this? What if we do that? So it wouldn't surprise me if they did that at all. Okay. Um, as opposed to Black Needle Noise, which is done strictly the John Fryer way. Um, <laughs> um, I. I, I look again, I look at the list just a black needle noise, and that is just as impressive as to the people that you've produced and records you've worked on. Um, what's your uh, inspiration for these sounds and the songs that you're writing? Um, and I, I, second part of the question is, do you see this as your opportunity to shine with your creative as far as your your lyrics and all of that? I mean, most most of the the lyrics are covered by whoever's singing the song because it's you know it's a fifty fifty collaboration. I write the music, they write the the vocal melodies, the lyrics, and then sing on it. Okay. So um, it's worked like that. I mean, there's a few songs I've sang on, but uh, mainly they're all collaborations, you know. Okay. And it's it's just something. It's like when you have a band. It's like I had my other bands, Dark Side Clinic and Silver Ghost Shimmer and Marissa Day. You kind of you write songs to a kind of format to a sound that you know which that band fits into. And with um, Black Needle Noise, I just take it wherever I want to take it. You know, where if I start writing a song and it goes in a different direction from the one before, then so be it. There's no. There's no real rules to the project. I just do whatever I want to do. Okay. So this is just your brainchild and you can, you know, um, I guess, yeah, make it sound the way that you want to sound. So, but do you feel like an album would have a specific vibe or is it just, okay, this is the list I'm going to do or, or is it just as it comes and goes or... It's as it comes and goes. I mean, I was never, I was never going to do albums. It, it was just going to be one song after another. So each vocalist has their, you know, time to shine on that song. It's just if you get an album with six different singers on, you might, um, you know, some singers doing two songs, other singers doing one song. You might skip over and miss the one singer doing the one song. You know. Mm-hmm. So releasing all the songs separately, it's like it gives each song and each uh, singer time to shine. 
the only reason I put together albums was because of my friends, my journalist friends, saying, can you do an album so we can, you know, review all the songs properly rather than one at a time. It's so hard to keep up with what you're doing. And so that's the only reason the albums came out. <laughs> that's all the reason why you're doing an album. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because like, well, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I, I can't pick and choose a whole list of. I mean, I could pick a whole list of songs and and go across the board, but yeah, I mean, the Lost in Reflections, I guess, wasn't really an album per se, right? That was what you said. Just uh, let me just throw all these together. Um, well, it's how they it's the order they're released. You know, it's the same with the you know before the tears came. It was they released in that order. They go on you know the album in that order. Um, but you can you can take you can take any song that I've released so far from Black Needle Noise and put them in any order you want, and they'll all work together. Okay. Okay. Well, that works. I mean, the running theme through it all is me. So there's you know there's a you know, there's a John Fryer sound to the whole project. So it'll all work together. Okay. Even though, even though the music might go in different directions, it will still work, you know, it, they will still work together. Okay. So, all right. So yeah, point to make about if you're going for before the tears came or whatever, then all right. Um, sure. Okay. Now that makes a little more sense as to how these are, but to, uh, I would like to try that then. I'll, I'll I'll do that up on Bandcamp and just start switching them out. Right, just put them all yeah. in a in a funky playlist and say, "Let's hear it." Um, I'll, although I'm not gonna lie, I would love to get uh, before the tears came. This red vinyl. I'm looking at it right here, going, "Oh, that's interesting." I'd love to get that sucker signed. So um, when you roll through Salt Lake, make sure you bring one of those, and I'll buy it from you and, and get you to sign it. Um, yeah, we have we have the red vinyl and the Lost in Reflections on blue vinyl, and uh, the next album should be on green vinyl. So, and then uh, when we have, I'm not sure how many albums, maybe four or five. Then we're going to do going to change it all up and do a box set with everything, different color vinyl, different artworks, different everything. Um, and I'll go bankrupt just trying to get it all like i can't have it all or go to all the shows but uh, i i will i'll <laughs> spend every penny i can trying to but black uh, lost in reflections on blue that sounds really pretty um yeah, it is. but it's probably it is. well yeah but it, it goes with yeah i could see that um but then going around and getting all the vocalists to sign them that that's going to be a chore but it's also something that i'd be crazy enough to try and do um I again, I, I'm just that kind of guy, right? I, I, yeah. well, I, I did it with a Stranglers record. I had to take the record and go to each individual show or find what this guy was in this band who's coming through town to play in this band, and I would go and have them sign them. So I have, uh, I have certain Stranglers records with all of the original members having signed them, you know, and uh, that's a challenge I would do with this, man, because I would, uh, you know, um, Again, people, everybody listening, being a music junkie, John Fryer's one you you just can't get enough of, or I don't think there's an end to it all. So, uh, you also also at the moment, if you go to a website and buy uh, buy something on there, you'll get a gift of these multiple covers uh, covers album. Um, say as a gift, you buy something, you get that you get that free as a gift with it. Okay. So if you want to. 
So and uh, all the collection? all the this mortal coil guys, go for it. all you fans of this mortal coil. Um, yeah, shoot, I'm looking at that here. Uh, which these mortal covers? These, these yeah, sorry, these yeah, these mortal covers. There's a whole yeah. list of gifts here. Um, uh, wow, uh, a skirt and some. Wow, okay, <laughs> that's. Uh, and a ping pong paddle, jeez! Uh, wow, yep. you, you've got quite the, quite the, uh, g- quite the list here of stuff. But uh, I'm I'm looking for the Lost in Reflections blue vinyl. That's going to be my, it's going to be my. Uh, that's what I want for Christmas. So, um, but so if you purchase that at the moment, then you get the you know the these Mortal Cover CD as a gift with it. So you get two for the price of one. All right, you hear that, everybody. So, um, everybody, go digging for that. Um, so, what uh, what's your biggest hope of excitement now? Right, aside from the uh, Azam work and the stabbing westward, uh, if if the world changed tomorrow, what would you take up and start running with? If the world went back well, to normal tomorrow, I'm looking forward to getting my Grammy this year for something and uh, and whatever else awards I can uh, get. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but would you be able to go and, re- and and accept it and give the speech and all that? Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, let's see. Soundtracks. Uh, I was going to move on to that. Have you been – do you get many of those put in front of you to do music soundtracks for? There's a couple in the pipeline as we speak coming up, hopefully this year, coming up this year, yes. Okay. So I would, uh, again, if, if anybody's makes movies or whatever, right, that would also be something to look forward to. Um, if anyone makes movies and they want to use uh, black needle noise music or create new music, then all they've got to do is contact me and uh, we can sort something out. Okay. Well, actually, I was planning on uh, – I, I co-produced a, a, a movie last year. I actually was in it. Um, I, I played a really obnoxious police detective who went around pissing everybody off. And uh, it was great. I had a lot of fun doing it. And, and I got to throw in – I got to bring in musicians for it to, to be on the soundtrack. And we're going to do another one. Maybe. I'm not sure if we'll do a, a, another one it's hoping and if if you're up for that i'll call you up and see if you could give us some work there too because um i'm always up for putting the stuff that i listen to in music and in movies because i don't know i i I see movies i'm like really like there's so much better music you could put into that so um well why didn't you call me for the last movie? And yes, definitely call me for the new one. <laughs> I can do that. So, um, all right. Uh, we're coming up on time here. So uh, what do you want us to play out with? Oh, wait, I already know which one I'm playing out with. Uh, any other any songs? Yes. Any other songs that you want us to listen to and go for? Say anything from Black Needle Noise. You're very welcome to play. Okay. Why don't, you play the, why don't you play She Talks to Angels uh, from the cover versions album? Okay. Um, I'll put that up in the front if that's all right. And uh, then, sure, I'm, I'm just looking at the list here and uh, I'll, I'll get enough yeah. pieces together for a, good, for a good sampling of your work and everybody else. Uh, yeah. Dive in. Black Needle Noise. Um, 
uh, blackneedlenoise.com, but also if you go to Bandcamp, there will be plenty of music there to yep. uh, to do yourself in for for several, a couple of days worth anyway. And if you really want to go back in history, just look him up on uh, well, on the Wikipedia article probably has uh, – hold on, let me make sure. The Wikipedia article has – all the stuff he's been on, and I'm sure you've listened to the uh, good plenty of those records as well. So, yeah, I mean, Wikipedia doesn't uh, doesn't cover everything. I mean, you got disc discogs too; you could look on. Um, but you know, Wikipedia is just fan based. It's like some some fans or whoever uh, put stuff up on Wikipedia. It's not an official thing, Wikipedia. So, okay. So take that into note, everybody. I'm going to put all these in the, uh, at least in the, the note for the podcast broadcast of this as well. I want everybody to know where they can go and find your work. So it'll be there too. So, um, anything else you want to throw out there? I'm saying everybody go dive into John Fryer's work because you probably have already, but Black Needle Noise is the, uh, is the current addiction. You know, with that black needle, stick it in your arm and enjoy it. All right, everybody. Yeah, yeah, we're wrapping this up. So uh, thanks for tuning in, John. Everybody else, I'm glad you listened. And go look up some black needle noise. And for now, everybody, take care. Be good to each other. And let music do awesome in your lives.
again. 